Welcome back to To The Point at the Wilson Center's Latin American program. I am your host, Benjamin Gadan. My guest today is Daniel Politi, a New York Times contributor who joins us from Buenos Aires to discuss Argentina's historic vote in December to legalize abortion. How pro-choice campaigners pulled it off just two years after lawmakers rejected similar legislation and whether their success could impact similar efforts in the region. Daniel, welcome to To The Point. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. The decision by the Argentine Congress in December to legalize abortion in Argentina was regional, if not global news. Your coverage in the New York Times made it to the front page. Um, There was global interest in the decision. Argentina became only the fourth country, if I'm not mistaken, in Latin America to decriminalize or legalize abortion rights. The others are Cuba, Uruguay, and Guyana. Clearly from that list, you can tell Argentina is by far the largest and most influential of the countries to have done so. It wasn't, however, an obvious country to be next on that list. And maybe you'll tell me if I'm mistaken. It's of course the homeland of Pope Francis. Um, Abortion legalization in Argentina was strongly objected to by not only the Catholic hierarchy, but evangelicals, a group with growing influence in Argentina. And just two years ago, Argentina had a similar legislative debate, a close vote. It passed in the lower house of the Argentine Congress, but the Argentine Senate narrowly rejected the bill. My question for you is what has changed in those two years? And and were you surprised that Argentina took this leap? I mean, I, it's it's a very interesting question because I think there's there's several components to it. I think that um, what when what happened two years ago was the defeat that was widely expected. As as you remember, what, when this first started being debated two years ago, everybody didn't think it even had a chance of passing the lower house of Congress, and then it surprisingly did. And then so then activists got excited, and then it failed as expected in the Senate. But at the time activists said, you know, we lost this time, but this is just a step. It's going to happen eventually. And I think that's part of what we saw. We saw that two years, in in these two years, the debate moved forward. People talked about it. Suddenly what was once a taboo issue suddenly started getting talked about in the streets and around the dinner tables. There was a long, long debate two years ago, as you know. Um, Lots of sessions in Congress before it, people against it. It wasn't it, it, it wasn't by any stretch of imagination uh, a quick debate. It was something that really they tried to to really get the subject into the, the minds of the Argentines. And then I think they did. And so it became an issue that then became an issue in the electoral campaign. President Alberto Fernandez made it an issue in his campaign. He made the promise. I mean, he was always, it wasn't a new thing for him. He was always in favor of abortion legalization, but he, he made a campaign promise. And that's part of what changed as well, is that the government that was in power, that is in power, pushed the bill. Whereas two years ago, Macri, Mauricio Macri, who, who was the president then, personally opposed abortion. He said that he would sign it if it was approved, but he didn't do anything to promote it. And anybody who knows anything about Argentine politics knows that you know the president has a lot of power, the president has a lot of power to move legislation. So. So having a president, and we can talk about this later, probably a vice president who is very powerful and has a lot of influence, um, really made made the difference. The two years of debate, I think, brought to light that abortion in Argentina takes place already, right? And it has for a long time across demographics, um, generally not 
permitted, not under the narrow exemptions that had existed, but that it's, it's fairly common in the country and results in a lot, particularly for the lower classes who don't have access to proper health care, in injury and even death. And, and it seemed like that was emphasized in this movement. There also was this idea from President Alberto Fernandez, who you've mentioned, to couple abortion legalization with efforts to support child care and um, the decision to, to keep a child and raise a child with greater support from the state. Do you get a sense that those aspects of the debate helped move Argentines who've been on the fence? Definitely. I think that the, this, this idea of that activists seized on from the beginning and now it became even stronger in terms of uh, the politics. The, the health minister and Alberto Fernandez himself really focused on this issue that it's not whether you're saying abortion yes or abortion no. It's whether there's legal abortion or there's back alley abortions because abortion is already happening. And it's a social justice issue because um, middle class and, and rich people can, can get abortions where people are, have a harder time. It's also, there's been a, um, a concerted effort to, to make clear that there is a cost to this prohibition that goes beyond the health. That this idea that before in 2018 talked about, you know, Nobody's put in prison for an abortion. Nobody, and, and, and in these past two years, there's been activists that, that have made clear that, that it happens. It's rare, it's not something that happens all the time, but women have been criminalized for their abortions. Sometimes spontaneous abortions are criminalized. And beyond that, the abortions that are illegal um, are often hard to get. You know, I mean, there's a case that we wrote about that made headlines around the world about this 11 year old in Tucumán, Lucia, who couldn't who, I mean, fulfilled every single classification for getting a legal abortion, and she had to wait so long that they ended up having to, 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 to do a C-section because she couldn't get a safe abortion. So, so there's all these issues that made it clear that, that, that the, the law as it stood right now didn't prevent abortions from happening, and even the ones that were allowed to happen didn't happen legally. And let's talk for a minute about the politics of the abortion debate in Argentina. Two years ago, if you looked at the results, you saw that it didn't narrowly turn on, on party affiliation, even on gender at the time. It, the you know votes, at least in the Senate, were split based on gender, meaning that female lawmakers seemed to be just as divided as society at large. You saw the Peronist Party, which is on the left in Argentina, seemingly equally split as the, the center-right in Argentina, the party of former President Mauricio Macri. Um, that doesn't seem to have been the case this time around, except for the geography of, of abortion rights and the abortion debate, where you still saw more northern conservative provinces voting against. Um, elsewhere, however, it seems like we saw a significant shift in the Peronist movement and among female lawmakers. What was your take on, on the politics this time around? Well, I mean, I think you're right. I think we, we definitely saw that the what was true two years ago is still true now. The, the northern provinces are where the church holds the most power. Those are the lawmakers that had the most, um, the, the, the biggest rejection to the law. Um, but now what we saw, I think, beyond the, the fact that there were several new lawmakers who came in, key senators who came in just supporting abortion from the beginning, um, we also saw that this power of the presidency these parents who were voted against abortion before um, switched their vote in, in part because, I mean, they, they say that it, was, it had to do a lot with the debate and how it's changed in the past two years, but it's also about, you know, the, the lobbying from the presidency, the, the, 
the way they were able to to do that. And and the fact that what you mentioned that about that there's often, you know, given short shorter shrift, obviously, in, in the coverage, but it's still important, is this fact that there was this accompanying bill that 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 did attempt to support mothers who chose to have children. So there was so so it was a one-two punch, if you will, they're trying to do both things at once, supporting the women who want to have abortions, while at the same time saying, women who don't want to have abortions, let's support their decision and give them more subsidies, more, more help in, in raising and being able to have these kids safely, these babies. You mentioned that President Alberto Fernandez supported this bill actively, he supported abortion rights in his campaign, and that that was a, a potentially significant factor in the approval by the Argentine Congress. He, however, has not had a very successful first year, at least not in terms of of public approval or a particular legislative agenda or economic performance. Argentina, you know, logged in 2020 double-digit inflation, a double-digit economic contraction. Um, It went from being a global star in in containing the coronavirus to being one of the worst performers on a a per capita basis. Um, So my question is whether this Six, first of all, what kind of coattails would he have had in being able to promote this? And also, what does this mean for him politically going into a year of midterm elections? There is this notion that finally he notched a big win. He mobilizes a progressive core of supporters. He mobilizes young Argentines who did vote for him in large numbers um, in late 2019. So what's the political consequences for Alberto Fernandez and for his Peronist coalition? This is a big victory for Alberto Fernandez and his base, his base, and especially the vice president's base, which is a bit more leftist. Those who support Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner are a bit more to the left than, than would be considered Alberto Fernandez's base. We're very big supporters of the abortion rights movement. So the fact that he could notch in a big victory for his supporters, a fulfilled campaign promise, really is, is, is a big victory for him in a year, as you say, that has not been filled with many, with many successes for him. So I think that that's important. And not only that, but the fact that he can say, I fulfilled the campaign promise. I think he, he really focused on that, the fact that like, he made this promise and now he, 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 he came to pass in, in a relatively short period of time. You know, I mean, a few months ago, we were, the expectation was that maybe abortion wasn't going to be discussed this year because of a pandemic and, and maybe it was going to be introduced. There was a, there was a lot of complaints from the uh, women's rights movement about that, 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 they were, that they were letting this issue go, that they were not going to seize on the momentum that they had on it. Um, but then all of a sudden, you know, from one day to the next, it was, they were going to discuss it in the lower house of Congress and then very quickly went on to the Senate. And, and, and I think they were able to show that you know, the, the regular Peronist ability to move votes. And they were, I think they were able to demonstrate that. I promise, last question about Argentina, and we'll, we'll talk about the implications of this historic vote for the rest of Latin America. It's this question of Pope Francis that I think, you know, has been of interest to people. Number one, that he didn't have the influence some people suspected he might have in Argentina to thwart this vote this time around, but also what his relationship is to the current government of Argentina. Um, when Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner was president, she would go to Rome um, and Vatican City and, and meet and be photographed with the Pope. Um, he has not, however, visited Argentina during his papacy. 
Um, it was assumed that perhaps that was because of a distance he felt to a conservative government that, that governed Argentina. But as far as I know, that there were no plans in the short term to visit either. What does this say about Argentine's relationship with Pope Francis and Pope Francis's relationship with Argentina? I mean, it's 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 a it's a big question. It's an important question, and it's it's a difficult question because it often and so often is with the Pope. You're you're, you're left sort of reading signs and, and trying to interpret, you know, things that are said and handshakes that are not given and handshakes that are given. So. So, so, so it's difficult to, to speak authoritatively about this, but we do know, obviously, the Pope objected to this measure. I mean, he, he said so openly, um, praising a group of, of women from poor neighborhoods who, who were fighting against the abortion legalization. Um, and also some of his emissaries, some of his close allies have, did take a, a few steps in, in, in in the run-up to the vote to, to speak up against it, calling lawmakers to reject it. Um, but I do think that in terms of Argentina, we know that Argentina is a very Catholic country, uh, increasingly evangelical, of course, but, but most people do describe themselves as Catholic. But I do think that in Argentina, as, a, as anybody who's, who's spent a lot of time here knows that for a vast majority of Argentines, religion and society as a whole are pretty separate. Um, they're able to, to separate their religious views from um, everyday life, if you will. And there's a lot of people who describe themselves as Catholic who don't particularly have a connection to the church itself, who don't go to church, who regularly. So, so I think it, it shows both things. It shows that, I mean, there's an increasing secularization, no doubt about that. But beyond that, there's also an idea that, you know, that church and state are separate, um, or at least church and social norms. You know, I mean, this is a country that has had marriage equality for, for a long time, and, and that's something that the church objected to strenuously. Um, but, but it got approved, and now it's something that, you know, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not naive enough to, to think that it's the same in Buenos Aires as it is in Salta, obviously, you know, the there's still discrimination and there's still, and all that, but, but it's something that, that society itself has, has moved forward on. And I think these sort of social issues, I think as a general rule, Argentines can, can, can compartmentalize these, these views. Um, it's different when we talk about the, the role that church leaders have on certain politicians and certain senators, uh, the influence that they can have. And I think that, that, that we did see that strongly this time. In 2008, we saw that very strongly, a lot of lobbying for certain senators that continued this year. Um, but I think that what we're seeing is, is a church that is less powerful than it once was. And you, you mentioned same-sex marriage in Argentina, which of course was approved over the objections of the Catholic hierarchy, but also more recently, transgender rights have expanded in Argentina in a way that has positioned it as a trailblazer yet again on some of these social issues uh, that again seems you know superficially inconsistent with what is still a, a quite a religious country you know homogeneous to a degree um, in its Catholic faith. I, I want to move on to what this means across the borders in Latin America. The Argentine movement promoting a variety of, of women's issues, Ni Una Menos, 
which a name that references domestic violence, but has come to symbolize the movement for gender equality, for overcoming the gender wage gap, um, gender parity in the legislature and in boardrooms in Argentina, has had influence already for years in Chile and elsewhere in Latin America. This symbol this uh, of the green color and the green handkerchief to symbolize abortion rights and, and women's rights has spread throughout Latin America as well. Yet the reaction, it seems to me, was, was divided internationally by what this might mean. On the one hand, there was this energized global and certainly regional women's rights movement that said that this could really have major impacts. And other advocates like Human Rights Watch had, had spoken already of this sort of domino effect you might see. On the other hand, there was the sense that sometimes you see a negative reaction, um, depending on your, your point of view, where those who are uncomfortable with some of these social issues but hadn't acted on them politically mobilize all of a sudden and start to um, affiliate with candidates and political movements over these wedge issues versus other economic um, political concerns that may have you know, shaped their, their political engagement in the past. Uh, before responding, I just want to sort of note that this isn't the first time that other countries in the region will be grappling with this. The Colombian Supreme Court um, had it seemed to be poised to make a historic decision on this fairly recently um, and decided not to do so. You have had, you know, other discussions in Brazil where your homeland, although the president is strongly opposed, there have been movements that are pushing for at least a broader discussion of abortion rights. So tell me, what, what's your take on what this might mean elsewhere in Latin America? I think that at the very least, I mean, it's, 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 it's one country, it's, it's a major country. I know <laughs> maybe not major is not the right word. Uruguay gets offended when we say that, but, um, but you know, it's the largest country by far to, to legalize abortion. So I think that in and of itself, the fact that it can happen in a major Latin American country um, beyond these outliers shows that in itself that that is, that is something, you know, we, we talked to a lot of women's rights groups from the region. I talked to a lot of activists who, who are watching the vote very closely because they don't, even if they don't think that the effect is immediate, it's still something that, that gets the ball rolling, you know, that, that, that lets them talk about it, lets them point to Argentina as an example, just as Argentina pointed to Uruguay as an example, you know, I mean, an argument that anti-abortion um, activists had made these past few years was, you know, that they increased how this would sharply increase abortions. And Argentine activists were able to point to Uruguay numbers and say, look, numbers have been pretty steady. There isn't, you know, there's sort of like an abortion party that happens when abortion is legalized. So, so I think that every time there's a new country that legalizes it, it helps at the very least with data points for activists that are working towards legalization in other countries. Um, and, and beyond that, I do think that it's important to note this idea of Argentina as sort of like a trailblazer in these terms of human rights issues. Um, and, and the trailblazer for the region, some, some place that it's not just, you know, it's not just human rights activists. It's even, you know, I talked to a head of the evangelical churches in, in Argentina when this was being discussed. And he, and, and, and he told me straight out that, you know, that a lot of his, partners in, in other countries in the region were, were looking very closely because they knew very well that as Argentina goes, often the region goes too. So, so there is this idea that, um, that, that, that 
that it's being closely watched on both sides. Now, I think you're right. I think that that a lot of attention has been placed on what this will do for abortion rights activists, but it's also going to be, you know, a point that that even Human Rights Watch, which you mentioned, made to me when, when we talked to them, was that this could also have the opposite effect. It could galvanize the pro-life movement, the anti-choice movement, uh, to to really, you know, say, okay, we really need to get our act together and and really build up a campaign um, and get organized. Which and and now they have a lot of examples here. There, you know, the anti-abortion movement here can, will work with the anti-abortion movements in the region to help them learn from mistakes and get more organized. Um, I think what we saw in these in in this past month is that the anti-abortion movement is a lot more organized than it used to be. I think two years ago they were caught by surprise. There wasn't a lot of cooperation between the evangelical and the Catholic churches. This time around, there was a lot of cooperation. They're, they worked together a lot, and there was, you know, there was just a lot more movement on that side than than there were two years ago. So I think that, that it's going to work on on both ends. So maybe I know you cover Argentina as a contributor to the New York Times. You're based in Buenos Aires, but you know you're from Brazil. You're you're watching the rest of the region. What countries should we look toward? and anticipate one or other of these reactions, either a, a hyper-mobilized uh, you know, reproductive rights movement or this counter-reaction from evangelical Catholic groups and from, from pro-life groups. You know, where should we be focusing right now? Well, I, I think in terms of abortion rights, um, I, I think Colombia and Mexico are definitely the, the key. I mean, as you mentioned, the Colombia they're doing it differently. It's going, I mean, if it gets, if they get the abortion rights, it's going to be through the courts rather than through the legislature. But, but I mean, but, but I think that's, that's an interesting place to, to be looking at right now. Mexico is, is a country that, whereas abortion isn't legal in the country as a whole, it has been, abortion rights have been expanding in different uh, states. So, so I think we're going to see a lot more of that. So a lot more, a, a lot more of those rights will be expanded, maybe at the local level. Um, and on the op, and and, sorry, one more, if you allow me, is Chile. I think that Chile, with with the new constitution, is going to be very interesting. What they do, I think that they have a chance to. Well, when we talk to activists, they're very excited about the the possibility. Women's rights activists are very excited about the possibility that women's rights will be enshrined in the Chilean constitution in a way that they, that they haven't been in any other constitutions in the region. So, so what happens there is obviously it's obviously still very early days in that, but I think we might see something very different happening in Chile than than has been happening in other countries in Latin America. Yeah. Before we conclude, Daniel, I think it's important that we point out that you know this triumph for you know the women's movement, the women's rights movement and, and advocates for reproductive rights is, is not necessarily indicative of the state of women's rights in Latin America more broadly. I'm thinking in particular of gender-based violence, which, which was a problem before the pandemic and has really exploded throughout the pandemic um, in, in much of Latin America. And so it's interesting. I guess I, I wonder if you think in Argentina and elsewhere more broadly that this is a signal of the realization of of influence for both women in Congress and places like Argentina that has really achieved much higher levels of representation through a quota system and in a sort of a broader range of women's issues beyond reproductive rights. You know, are you optimistic that this is the leading edge of, of much more success in the wage gap in representation in Congress and reducing violence? Um, or is this a very particular issue in a very particular country at a very particular political moment? No, I mean, I, I think that, that if, if, 
Nuna Menos showed us anything and in a way it expanded in the region is that, that these issues are being talked about. I think that that's, that's the key. And I think that's what we've learned a lot about in the past two years with the abortion rights movement specifically is once you get these issues out of the closet and into the dinner tables and into conversations of daily life, um, that's when change starts to happen. And, and I think that we've seen the fact that Nina Menes exploded the way it did shows that there, there was a big appetite for this in Latin America. As, as we know, I mean, it's a very machista society, uh, gender-based violence, as, as you say, is, is very high across the, across the region. And, and I mean, Nina Menes has been around for more than five years now, and it's not like the problem has disappeared, hardly. So, so these are, you know, these are obviously not, no, not a cure-all solution. These aren't issues that, that will disappear from one day to the next, but, but by talking about them, by bringing them out of the shadows and, and suddenly discussing them openly, I think that, that, that at least change starts to slowly happen. Minds are changed. You know, it's, it's, when you're talking about something like this, it's more than just about one issue, obviously. It's about women's rights in general, accepting, understanding the reason why there's fewer women in power, um, how women work differently than men, how women can work together for these issues that, like them, as, as, as you mentioned, I mean, in the Senate, if this was approved in Congress the way it was now, is a lot had to do with the way women work together, women lawmakers work together across party lines, um, ignoring old party bosses who said this couldn't be done and, 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 and got it done. Um, so I think that in Argentina, at least, and in much of the region, I think, again, Chile with the new constituent assembly will be very interesting what happened there. Um, we are seeing a, a, a growing women's movement. And and I think that what that will mean will be, I mean, in, inevitably, it will, it will mean an increase in, in women's rights and, and the discussion of women's issues. Daniel Politi, contributor to the New York Times based in Buenos Aires, joins us to discuss Argentina's historic vote in December to legalize abortion, only the fourth country in Latin America to do so, and by far the largest, and what it means not only in Argentina, but throughout the region. Daniel, thank you so much for participating in this conversation on To The Point. Thank you. This episode of To The Point was produced and edited by Oscar Cruz. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at lap at wilsoncenter.org. Thanks for listening.